Hello, my name is Michael Garrick, and this is Popping Culture Movie Reviews. My guest today is a voice actor and comedian, William Woody. Thank you so much for coming on to the movie review. Thank you for having me. Uh, the movie that we'll be reviewing is uh, Suicide Squad. Uh, Woody chose the movie. Uh, any special reason why? Well, there is the, the sequel coming out sooner or later, and... Um... I remember looking at this one before and thinking there was a, lot, a fair amount I had to say about it then, uh, back in, my goodness, half a decade ago when it came out. And I uh, figured it would be something I wasn't intimidated about talking about uh, today. So uh, that would be why I went with it. It's, uh, I really don't envy the writer-director, David Ayer. He has this, he has the unenviable task of making a movie that centers around a... Uh, a group of B-list Batman villains who uh, are assembled in the event that a C-list Batman villain ever comes along and creates a threat for them. It, it, uh, it, it's really not a great uh, starting premise or an easy thing to write about, I, I don't suppose. Uh, and I don't think I recognize this. You know, when I was a kid watching Batman, the animated series or, or whatnot, um, I don't think Harley Quinn's backstory really fits what she does. Um, seeing her prance around hit, hitting people with a baseball bat, going, this character has a doctor in psychiatry? Uh, she shouldn't be physically messing with people's heads. I, I, I hope I, I guess the simple thing to do if DC ever decides to streamline things with her is just simplify her, you know, make her a physician's assistant or something, <laughs> or, you know, or elevate her tactics to something that an evil psychiatrist might actually do. Because as I was looking at it last night and today, uh, the only thing she ever does even hint that she might be a psychiatrist. Is Will Smith does this thing for her, and then she's like, ah, textbook sociopath. I know that because I'm a psychiatrist. Um, the uh, I think the big problem that movie has is that it's it just it's a huge uh, show don't tell problem. Everything that they want to establish is assumed about the characters rather than being explored. Uh, you know, they, they put the Joker, the, the one A-list Batman villain in there as kind of a, you know, a sell ticket, ticket tactic. And then he's on screen for maybe four minutes of the movie. Um, and the, the first scene we have with him, Harley Quinn gives him a stuffed animal, which that, that's like the, the very first act between them. But we don't have any idea, like. Why would he want that? What, what about that animal? What would it? You know, why would that mean anything to him? It's a sort of, oh, because giving a stuffed animal to your romantic partner is a nice thing to do. And then he's like, hey, get me a machine gun. Oh, I, 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 it's, we don't follow, I, I, it, we basically need a movie of a trajectory of like, why does Harley Quinn go from treating the Joker to enabling him uh, that we just don't see in the, you know, three and a half, four minutes of screen time the character has. 
And I think the Joker may just be more interesting to watch when he's a bachelor because this movie basically makes him, and he's, he's, he's too predictable. All he, he's just kind of a bulldog that's going to uh, help Harley Quinn or, or get her out of danger. And he's, he's uh, sort of an evil Romeo, which really doesn't, uh, you know, measure up to any of the stuff Heath Ledger was given to do with the character. Yeah. Um, so after watching this movie, I've seen it four times. I This movie is exactly what I thought Guardians of the Galaxy would be. Uh, it's, it seems like they DC knows, like, like you stated, uh, these characters that nobody really cares about, uh, nobody truly knows, uh, the majority of them, nobody really knows of like deep comic book fans. And unlike Marvel, which was like, no, let's make sure you care about every character. Let's make sure that we have a good plot and a reason why they come together. Let's, let's, in, let's make sure that they're important when it comes to uh, this movie. It's just like, we just got to push to the end. Like We, we just got to push to the end. We got like three big stars in it. And um Let's make sure they say some dumb stuff so we can become memes. Right. Um, I think a good instance of sort of contrast between Marvel and DC would be, uh, or, or how they've handled it cinematically, would be the Deadshot's daughter versus Iron Man's daughter. Um, you know, with Tony Stark, and I think Morgan Stark doesn't have she probably only has about four minutes in time in Endgame. But um, during the, like, they really took time to write out good little uh, banter between Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Morgan Stark actor's name, or, or whatever her name is. Uh, they Their interaction just was very, like, had a lot of life to it. And uh, they, the Russo brothers know that I love you doesn't mean anything anymore because it's just such a thing that a, a person says to one another that on stage or on screen, you've got to add something to give it specificity to it to make it meaningful. So they, they gave you the I love you 3000 to change it, to make it more specific to those characters where all Deadshot's daughter does is say she loves them and that's really, it doesn't, it's generic. There's no, we don't have an entry point to to see her as a specific person, except just that, oh, we're told this is the daughter and he's supposed to care about her and without actually giving us any kind of a relational reason for them to be together. Um, I think the... Hey, buddy, you want to hear my Will Smith's, my Will Smith impersonation? Desperately. Hey, man. What are we? Some some movie reviewers? Spot on. Um, Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I just I just can't get that stuck out my head. Like somebody wrote that. Like, what are we? Suicide Squad? Like I just I it's like it's Will Smith, so it's like, all right, he it's Will Smith. But even when I heard it, I was just like, nah, he's not that smooth. No, that nobody's that smooth for that dialogue. Right. I it's sort of you've gotta it's one of those terrible check boxes that a movie has to make when it's based on superheroes we, if that's the name that's on the that's on the front of the comic book then man we've got to we've got to mention that a lot of dialogue somewhere in the movie and it uh it 
it's just hard to, you know, yeah. the best actor on earth couldn't really sell that. And yeah, I, I don't fault any of the cast. I think they all did the best they could. I think the material is just so um, just sloppily put together that it really, it wouldn't be flattering on any performer. Uh, I also get frustrated when a movie presents an argument like uh, Rick Flagg, Joel Kimmons character makes that, you know, I could get a team of crack specialists together and they could accomplish what you want the Suicide Squad to do. And then the movie doesn't really refute that. Uh, Harley, Harley Quinn hits people with a baseball bat. Captain Boomerang's power is so useless that most of his time spent on the screen, he's just drinking energy drinks. Uh, you know, Will Smith can, can hit somebody at 400 yards or whatnot, but you don't need that. You just you could uh, you could just have special forces people, and they would probably gain better results than the Suicide Squad gets. Um, the climax of the movie requires one bomb to be placed under a you know a, 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 um, the Enchantress's guardian, and then another bomb be shot inside of her. Uh, little whirlwind death machine gizmo um this whole movie's problem could have been solved by the use of one slightly large bomb that hits everything uh there there's no need for the team there's no need for uh really any of the answers just there because people like harley quinn and the joker um i think the moment where the movie really falls apart for me though is uh, there, there's a point where Deadshot is supposed to shoot Harley Quinn and he deliberately misses because over the, you know, over the two hours that they've hung out together, the power of friendship has prevailed or something like that. Uh, and so he, um, so he deliberately misses and, you know, that would, maybe that would work as a moment if we had a little more time then to, uh, uh, to, develop chemistry there's instance where she says you're my friend which uh, okay uh or you know doesn't really land but is there uh, but the the reason that particular moment does not make any sense to me is that the moment immediately preceding it uh there's this business with everybody in the in the in the suicide squad having neck bombs implanted there's a there's a character introduced that i'd never heard of with the lamest skill set I've ever heard of, who is introduced specifically and only there in the movie, so you know that the neck bombs are real. That, that's the only reason he's in there to get his head blown off and then not be in the movie anymore. Uh, the Joker has disabled Harley Quinn's neck bomb, and so she is going to uh, get on the Joker's helicopter. Uh, Amanda Waller yells at Rick Flagg, uh, blow her head off and so he goes on his little ipad and he tries to blow her head up but it doesn't work and uh and there you can see it in one shot uh margot robbie is walking by behind joel kinnaman maybe 14 feet away at a leisurely pace and rick flag turns to amanda waller with both of his hands literally holding an assault rifle and he tells her, I can't do it because her neck bomb doesn't work. 
He could just turn around and put a cap in her very easily, but he can't do that because he's immortal because this she's the main character of this movie. Um, it, it, I, I don't know how a, a script gets that contrived or, or, or how a moment that bad makes it into uh, a movie without somebody saying, this, this does not work. You need to change this somehow because you're, you're making your you're making your soldier look absolutely incompetent uh, and, and you're just trying to force this this moment that really just needs another revision um but winds up making it into the movie and just making it uh really stupid yeah like this is a popcorn flake like this is I, I saw this the way I watch Godzilla movies. It's like, give me to the killing, give me to the action. We don't need this talking. Like this talking is literally here. So you have an hour and 30 minutes. There is nothing. There's no filler. This is just, this is just straight up. You, you need to be what you need to be. This, this, I rank the Fast and the Furious movies over this movie because of that reason. Like at least is popcorn fun this one is just like show me the clips on youtube and we can go on um when it comes to amanda wilder we talked about that character i'm a big fan of viola davis she's a great actress um you ever had those those movies where you're like this actress or actor is so good in this film but the character can be played by anybody i truly feel like anybody could play her 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 part and what it did uh not as good but like similar like her her she was the one part of this movie where i was like well anybody could have been here right well she's not a very well-defined character she just kind of occupies this weird space in the government where she's able to basically do whatever she wants with absolute impunity she can get you out of jail she can kill an fbi agent she can do whatever and get away with it um but her, um, she's a very one-note character. Really, all she can do is threaten you or kill you, and that's all she does. Uh, it's I, I can't imagine that she's a very enjoyable character to write or play, just because that's really she. Uh, it doesn't give her. I, I think she would be better suited as almost a Lex Luthor type, where she's got just more tactics at her disposal but all she can really do is you just just threaten you or act out on the threat that she's made and that's kind of it yeah that's that (laughs) yeah you know i was thinking there there's the you mentioned godzilla like i remember there was a you know it seems like in the 90s there were a lot of these characters that were just kind of douchebags just for the purpose of you know they're 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 not they're written to be very broad and jerky to the main characters but you know through the whole movie they're going to get a comeuppance later and we can't wait for that to happen and uh amanda waller is kind of like that but we never see her get the comeuppance so it's just some kind of she's not very satisfying to watch because oh she's a jerk and she gets away with it forever yeah Exactly. Um, all right, man. What do you think about the soundtrack? Uh, I feel like it, uh, largely it was used as a shortcut to characterization. Um, 
and when what you know when that starts happening i i generally get annoyed um i don't have anything against any of the song choices they use but um it did it felt like they were i, I don't know a lot of the uh a lot of the score felt like the the, the the song choices were just, they felt like they were there to, they felt like they were band-aids on bullet wounds that, oh, well, we don't really have a lot going on in the script, but we need, uh, we need Harley Quinn to appear like a strong independent woman. So let's play You Don't Own Me over her introductory scene. Um, what, what did you think about the soundtrack? Uh Pretty much the same. It was, it was just like this is good music. Um, even when it came to the scenes, uh, just whatever theme music they went for each like scene, action, whatever, felt like it was placed well. Uh, just not in a good movie. Uh, I think they really didn't make it too poppy. They didn't make it too uh, metal. But they, I think that was really one of the highlights of the movie. Uh, they did balance that well. Uh, How do you feel about the pacing? Um. The intro was relatively slow. I thought the, I, I didn't really love the framing device of the first act, Amanda Waller sitting at this uh, dinner table with two military bigwigs or whatever they were and kind of talking through the, uh, you know, the talking through the team. Um, and, in terms of action to dialogue, I didn't necessarily, I don't recall having any particular problems with the way it was paced, but it was, it had, the internal logic of the picture had so checked out by any point that it was really hard for me to care about what I was watching at any time. I, there was sort of an interesting sequence toward the end when the Enchantress starts uh, she tries to tempt all of the main people with uh, by, by offering to give them whatever they wanted if only they'd do her will instead of killing her or whatever that uh, I felt like that was very interesting but it was kind of too little too late that would have been much more compelling had something had that element been introduced earlier but as as it stood as late as it was put in it was just, it felt more like an afterthought than uh, than something to kind of sink my teeth into. Okay, man. I, when it came to Enchantress, did you laugh like when she was moving? Because every time she was moving, like she was like doing like this weird dance, and I just couldn't stop laughing. Like every time she's on the scene and she's just moving, I'm just I just laughed the whole time. I was just like, why? What like who chose her to who chose this? Like this is hilarious. Well, you know, it as weird as ever or as kind of mismatched as everything else in the movie was, she as I remember was my kind of my favorite part because she, you know, as goofy as she was, like the actress really was just uh, so hammy and chewing the scenery about it. Like, um, I don't know that I laughed, but I, I was certainly smiling like, like this, this girl was having the time of her life doing this weird, uh, uh, character. And, um, I, I remember a lot of people call it like with the weak point, but I, and, I mean, we're talking about a movie that's basically made out of weak points, but she was kind of a, 
a shining light in the dark for me because it's, at, at least there was something unique and she was just going for it as odd as it was. But yeah, I have no idea who made the choice for her power to kind of contort her in the way that she was doing that. But um, <laughs> no, I, I thought she was uh, she was pretty fun in and of herself. Yeah, doing the worm. Um, you spoke about the ending. Do you believe they could have had a better ending? Like, I, I think that's like, out of everything I saw, I was like, that's the only way they could end it. Well, uh, by ending, do we mean the Joker freeing Harley Quinn, or do you mean the defeating Enchantress part? Uh, both, actually, both. Um, well, so Joker, everything with him and Harley Quinn felt uh, just paper thin. I didn't, um, I really didn't have any rooting interest. It, it almost seemed like the movie was banking on uh banking on the viewers to have to have done their homework and to have kind of filled in for themselves okay this is great romance between these two you know rebels without causes uh you know occasionally i'll i'll hear that a harry potter movie or a lord of the rings part there's something in these movies that will not make sense to you if you have not read the books and i i felt like um joker and harley quinn their whole romance just it took far too many shortcuts for me to have any real um, rooting interest in anything that was going on between the two of them. Uh, the, as for the fight with Enchantress, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it made uh, as much sense as it could for what it was. Um, again, I think if they had just thrown a bigger bomb that would have blown everything up, well, then they kill... They kill Rick Flagg's girlfriend, but I, I don't feel like Amanda Waller would have had a problem with that. Um, so, it, yeah, it, the movie it had had so many logic gaps by the time it got to the climax, which I felt was not really very well lit, for one thing. Um, <laughs> like, it was, it was hard for me to see what was going on when they were fighting each other. Uh, oh, one, one other thought I had as an aside. Uh, Scott Eastwood... Clint Eastwood's son. He's a small part in this movie. Uh, I really think he should be in the running to play the be the new Wolverine because he looks just spot on the way that that guy was drawn in the comics to me. He grows a grows his mutton chops out and does weird spike hair thing. I think he's got it, especially if he can do the kind of gravelly, you know, whisper talk voice as well as his dad did. Yeah, I, I don't think it'd be bad. Like if, like I say, and he's and he's tall, but Hugh Jackman's tall. And he pulled it off, so uh, he definitely. Um, I tell you, bro, that's 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 one casting that is so many people up for the running. That it's just it's it's weird because you don't want to go too young, you don't want to go too old with the character, and it's just I'm I'm excited to see who they pick for that. That's that's gonna be that's one that you know people not everybody's gonna love, but once we see it on screen, that's when you'll know whether they made the right decision or not. Right, it'll probably have the same reaction that any casting to Batman gets. Everybody's up in arms, and they're like, "Oh, that makes now." Once they actually see him do it, um, yeah. yeah, But you can't blame blame people for uh, Michael Keaton, though, because like literally, uh, Mister Mom came out right before, and it was just like, "Whoa, this is the guy." Uh, 
Right. I um I listened to Brian Cranston's memoirs and he had a apparently there was the producers of Breaking Bad had some fear about him. Uh, but Vince Gilligan had worked with him before on an X-Files episode. And, like, and yeah, he's done Malcolm in the Middle, but he's an actor. It's his job to fit whatever role he he goes for. Um, but anyway, we're digressing from Suicide Squad. But bro, you the ending. bro, when it came to Brian Cranston, my friend, because I never got in Breaking Bad until the show was over. And I never got to tell my friends. I was like, <laughs> I'm probably butchering the name, but when I saw him, I was like, Sodar? Uh, Power Rangers. Yeah, Sodan. I was like, Sodan? What is Sodan doing? (laughs) Selling drugs. What is going on? Like, why is... uh, But, yeah, that is a great show. Okay, so you you saw him as Zordon before you saw him as Walter White. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but, like, I I could... Once I heard the voice, like, you know, you you see a little bit of the face, but, like, once I I heard the voice, I was like, oh, no, no, (laughs) no. Sword on and selling drugs. All right. Um, yeah, man, when I the ending was it, it was one of those things where I just felt like they should have just made a Batman movie. They made they put a Batman cameo in, they put the Joker in, uh, they put uh, Harley Quinn. They couldn't, they didn't feel, I guess they didn't feel safe for her being without those two characters. So it just all over. I was just like, this is not good at all. And um, yeah, and just, uh. Killer Croc was really wasted in that. Like, I, I think he could, I, I, it would be a lower, uh, like I could see it be a, being a lower budget Batman movie, but like when he was in the in the animated series I grew up watching, whenever he was the main bad guy, you were scared for, for Batman's life. And like they could, I think they could make a very interesting detective movie about him being a bad guy where in, in this movie, I think he was kind of just reduced to a glorified gimmick. Um, the makeup was cool, but the character was not really given anything particularly interesting to do. And when you talk about the Batman anime series, it was funny. My favorite Killer Croc episode is not even Killer Croc. Um, I almost got away with it. Yes, yeah, where Batman uh, standing to see him. Yeah, yeah, spoiler alert, guys. I'm so sorry for that. If you ever, if you guys have not seen that episode, I am so sorry. Just still watch it, but uh, that is a that's that, like my favorite episode from the series. Um, but when it comes to Suicide Squad, one through ten, what do you give it? Oh, uh, three, five, four, somewhere around there. <laughs> okay, nice. What about you? Uh, I would give it a solid four, um, okay. just for the set pieces and. Um, Popcorn flick, uh, definitely a movie that uh, if you put on, you will be like, uh, you'll fast forward to the parts you like. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you believe that this movie will become a part of pop culture? I suppose that would de- depend on how you define pop culture. Uh, I mean, I'd have certainly been a good launching off point for Margot Robbie, but she's done uh you know, her, her third movie with that character is about to come out. Um, I, I guess, you know, how do you define pop culture would be my my question before I can answer that question. Uh, like I said, pop culture is all about pop culture and people that love it. Um, just truly the definition of pop culture. That's really it, just popular culture. Okay. Uh, sure. 
like I, I I don't I don't want to go too deep on an answer. It's just really just popular culture. I hope that answered your question. I'm sorry if it didn't. Uh, it's a bit circular of an answer, but uh, I it, that's fine. I can uh, so I I think it's sure. I'd, I'd say it's part of pop culture, and it made a large portion of our culture saw it. It obviously made enough that it's justified a sequel and spinoffs and all that. So I'd say so. What do you think? Uh, without a doubt, it's definitely influenced pop uh, pop culture. I mean, uh, not too many people actually knew who Killer Croc was. Um, that I figured out. Um, yeah, like in those characters, I think anything Batman touches is automatically going to touch pop culture. Anything the Joker touches is going to touch uh pop culture and harley quinn uh definitely uh one has definitely moved up in pop culture. it's been so many harley quinn costumes and halloween is blowing my mind like some of them i was just like these girls should not be wearing this and um it's it's just it's, it's mind-blowing well, I, I, I did uh i i did like that they that the movie gave us a moment to see margot robbie in the original kind of playing card black and red costume just for a moment to let us know yeah that would be a terrible idea to have her prance around in this the whole movie it just doesn't work at all uh as something for a human to wear yeah and they, they were quick with it they, at least that's one thing they knew like yeah let's uh we this is for the fans they can pause it later uh okay. uh well man uh is there anything else you would like to say about this movie I think we've covered about all I have about it. Oh, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the movie review. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say to your fans? And please tell them where they can follow you. Ah, yes. My my glorious fan base. Ah, so on Instagram, I'm my fitness journey almost hot can be, be found under that name. And uh, William Woody on YouTube, I'm sure you can find me. Nice, nice. Well, guys, like I said, if William Woody's in your town, definitely go check him out. Hilarious comedian. Thank you again for coming on the show, man. Uh, thank you guys for listening and have an amazing day.